Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk? We listen. Today is a leading figure and chair in one of the big four professional services organizations. He has spent nearly 20 years in financial services advising institutions on a wide range of tax related issues. We're going to talk about this new phenomenon, the digital service tax. And despite the fact that this episode is all about taxation, we're going to make it a riveting conversation indeed. But before we get into that, here is a brief message. Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle Schwitter. Richard E. Ferenta is a partner and vice chair of KPMG. He obtained the vice chairmanship in October 2020. As mentioned, he has spent nearly 20 years in the financial services sector advising on technical tax matters. He joined KPMG in the year 2000 and has been a partner since 2004. Prior to that, Richard worked as a solicitor in a number of organizations, including Simmons & Simmons, a city law firm, Deloitte, Ernst & Young, and he's also worked for HM Customs and Excise, now known as Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs. Richard practiced as a barrister in Nigeria for a number of years before moving to the UK. He has also written a number of financial services related articles and is a known speaker on the conference circuit. He's very active in the diversity and inclusion space and is a partner sponsor for KPMG's African Caribbean Network. His sponsorship enables him to not only mentor colleagues with an African Caribbean background, but he also provides him with the opportunity to positively engage, shape and drive KPMG's diversity and inclusion strategy. Now let's talk with Richard himself. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Richard to Heads Talk. Delighted to have you here today. Thanks a lot for having me, Elaine. I look forward to the discussion. Um, I just w- worry when you say tax. A tax talk would be interesting and exciting, but I'm sure we'll do our best. <laughs> we, we, we are, Richard, Richard, bear with me. We are going to make this taxation interesting today, as mentioned in the introduction. And doing my research on this subject, I actually found the makeup of the digital service tax quite fascinating. Um, Digitalisation has brought in an absolute headache, if you like, um, on how to capture taxes in this space. So I want to kickstart by asking this. For my listeners, what is the digital service tax? Who are the players in this space? And afterwards, if you could tell us what are the different bodies and stakeholders' current stance on this? Okay, big, big set of questions. I think, um, let's look at the background to this. So we've had a tax system going for hundreds of years. Mm. And really what a tax system is designed to do, if you think about it going back even 50 years, is to try and make sure we tax tax businesses in the places where they're located. And that's how the law is is structured in the various different jurisdictions. Um, Of course, we've had a huge evolution of technology over the past few decades. That evolution of technology means that businesses don't need to have a physical presence to deliver service to you. Um, and it is getting more and more so that way. Um, and we've got a lot of the big tech giants, which make that clear and evident. Um, 
Now, what that has, has, has resulted in is the tax system being perhaps arguably a bit obsolete. Mm-hmm. And that means that if you are taxing by reference to the location where a business provides its digital services from, you may be taxing in a location where you've got a huge infrastructure, but actually the digital services are being provided hundreds of miles away or countries or even continents away. And that means that the jurisdictions in which the digital services are actually being used may not get their own nice slice of the tax. Mm. Now, clearly that creates a a big issue for, for, for governments who are denied that opportunity. And this is uh, what has brought about the birth of the digital services tax, because in essence, what is happening is that the, 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 the jurisdictions who are not able to get a slice of the tax, or indeed as much of a slice of the tax as they would like to, to get, are thinking, well, actually, we must change the way we operate. The, the current tax regimes we've got don't allow us to tax this. Mm-hmm. So let's come up with a new taxation system. And that new taxation system is a digital services tax. And the digital services tax, it's, it's implemented in different ways in different jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, uh, I think the key thing to realize about this, it's a unilateral tax. It's a unilateral tax implemented in certain jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. And what, I'll uh, 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 two things now. One is what is it trying to do? And then secondly, what are the challenges with having a unilateral approach? Mm-hmm. So what is it trying to capture? It's trying to capture these big tech giants. You're trying to say exactly what I said was the problem. It's trying to address that problem. Now, what's the problem with the digital services tax approach? The problem with that is that if you think about it, many different jurisdictions coming up with their own different regimes mm-hmm. in an uncoordinated manner means that the large businesses who are impacted therefore have to have a huge compliance burden, a huge administrative burden to one, understand the tax regimes in these various jurisdictions. So digital service tax regimes in these various jurisdictions to comply with it and to pay the tax. Now the tax may not be huge, to be fair, but the admin is huge. The compliance, the reputational risk is huge. And of course, the big issue is that this digital services tax is not a, a tax based on profits. Rather, it's a tax based on sales. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you then have the problem that since it's unilateral, it's not coordinated, it's not a global agreement as in following sub OECD guidelines. Mm-hmm. You're therefore in a situation where you could potentially have double taxation because different nations are sovereign and they can come up with with regimes and taxation regimes which Mm -hmm. mean that they want a slice of tax and another country wants a slice of that same slice of of, 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 that same slice of income Mm -hmm. but because it's not a tax on profits you're not entitled to any sort of double taxation relief which is what of course you get in the normal course of events, where you have um, corporate corporate tax um, corporate tax being levied, mm-hmm. you would have an opportunity to say, well, actually, I pay this amount, um, and you're taxing the same thing elsewhere, and you get a double taxation relief, which means your know, business level broadly um, 
ending up in a fairer place. So I think that um, the mischief in question is really important one, and I absolutely get why jurisdictions are concerned about it, because they're losing out on revenue when the services are being provided to their citizens. Mm -hmm. Clearly, they're all winners because those jurisdictions with a big tech are based are winners, clearly. Mm -hmm. um, the problem with it, like I say, as I'm summarizing, the problem with it, of course, is that it results in uh, potential, potentially double taxation, potentially huge admin, potentially huge compliance obligations for the big tech, and therefore, there are no winners. System. Okay, so, so, so to, to, to get my head around this, and, and basically what you've said, um, it, is, it, it is described as a difficult tax and a difficult subject to talk about for a number of reasons. Number one, that the taxes, the tax were not created um, with the digital economy in mind. It didn't exist at the time. That's what I think one thing I get from you, what you're saying. Absolutely. Two, um, the problem with this is that, oh, well, I, I think the problem with this is that all companies, most companies are now providing some form of digital services along with their traditional bricks and mortar physical services. The tech giant companies, e.g. Google, Facebook, even uh, Airbnb are being singled out um, as a purely digital company that requires a special kind of tax. That's what I'm getting from you. And um, the US government, because uh, I think that's where these companies are from, um, as well as these companies mentioned, simply do not think this is fair um, with this introduction of the tax. Okay. By the looks of it, you sound like you, you agree or you understand their point. And so would I be right in saying that um, it is similar to other known established taxes such as tariffs and VAT? And if not, how different is it? I know you talked about the sales and um, tax and profits and stuff. I, yeah, I, uh, firstly, I should say, I agree that um, the US feel like it's being hard done by mm -hmm. because it is hitting American companies. Mm -hmm. I also think that as a result of that, the US has reacted this year coming up with a different approach, which I'm sure we'll get onto in due course. Mm -hmm. um, I think that in terms of the differences between this tax and a number of the other taxes, I think it is very different because like I said, in relation to corporate tax, mm -hmm. corporate tax is taxing profits. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at tariffs, customs duties and VAT, those are transactional taxes and they tax the amount that you sell your goods or services for. But the critical distinction with it is that certainly for a lot of the VAT type regimes, you have an entitlement to recover the VAT that you incur because what you're trying to do, uh, as in businesses have an entitlement to recover the VAT mm -hmm. because it is designed to tax the consumer ultimately. Mm -hmm. um, the digital services tax is clearly not designed to tax the consumer, it's designed to tax the business. Um, and then when you look at tariffs on international trade, that's completely different, clearly. Mm -hmm. You're looking at, a, at an international trade type scenario. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So, so it, it is a complicated tax, but why? Why is this tax so hard to reach a consensus on? on whatever level, or be it government or on a business, why is it so hard? 
really good question. I think that the, the primary reason why it's so hard to reach a consensus is that different countries have different interests. So let's pick up the United States. Naturally, from their perspective, their concern must be um, they are getting the tax today mm -hmm. from these big tech giants. Why would they want to give it up? Mm. And then if you flip that around and you think about some of the developing countries, they are certainly not getting the tax. Um, they may feel cheated. Actually, not just developing countries, developing and developed countries. Um, all may feel that you are exploiting our citizens or you are generating value from our citizens is perhaps a better way to say it. You're generating value from our citizens. And when that happens in the ordinary course of events, we expect to get a tax, a slice of tax out of that, but we're not getting it. So you can see there's a tension in terms of people's interests, in terms of countries' interests. Mm -hmm. And whenever you have those sort of tensions, it is then harder to get agreement on a global stance. Now, I think what we've had here is the OECD has taken a, a very strong lead in trying to get some form of consensus. We haven't got the consensus yet, but we're trying to get mm -hmm. some form of consensus. And, and what the US has done is the US has said, well, actually, you know what, why are we really just targeting these big tech companies. Why don't we change? Why don't we move the goalposts here? Mm. Let's start targeting the largest companies in the world. And that pivot has taken place. And there is a current consensus that they should now change this tax from just being a digital services tax to, being, to, 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 to targeting the largest companies in the world. Mm -hmm. Now, it's all about compromise. Whenever you start getting yes. different interests, whether it's from business or from governments, it is about it is about compromise. So um, the U.S. pivot in that way has been accepted by about 130 odd countries so far. So that's a positive thing, mm -hmm. uh, and actually, interestingly, that includes China. So that's very positive, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, but the U.S. is also saying, well. Interesting. We don't want to just focus on this tax. We want to look at the tax dynamic across the globe. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we want to come up with a global minimum tax rate. Now, that hasn't been implemented before. It's a completely new approach, a completely new idea. And they've come up with a minimum tax rate of 15%. Now, why are they doing that? Because, of course, everyone's looking for something different. Every country's looking for something different. Mm -hmm. But the key benefit of having that global minimum tax rate is that rather than these large operations going to tax-free or low-tax jurisdictions, it's a disincentive to them. Because even if they do go there, they will still be subject to an increased tax rate of 15%. Mm -hmm. And, of course, clearly those countries will no longer be incentivized to provide these um, uber low tax rates because it'll simply mean that in a different jurisdiction, they'll be able to top up the low rate to 15%. So clearly there's, you sort of lose the incentive to have a low tax or 
or no tax jurisdiction. Now that's a positive clearly for America and a number of other jurisdictions because that means that all of the sort of pushing your profits over to low tax and no tax jurisdictions would be reduced. So clearly they're gonna be winners and losers whichever way we go. But the good thing is um, there is a strong agreement to go down that route. Mm -hmm. Many countries are happy to do it. And, 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 and what is called the sort of tax world is pillar one and pillar two. So, mm -hmm. so what I just talked about is what we call pillar two. The reality is different countries, like I say, have different interests. And some people will say, okay, listen, I don't mind about this tax rate, but if that's going to make everybody happy, let's go for the minimum tax rate of 15%, uh, provided I get my other challenge, which is I want to really, really make sure that we are in a position where we can tax these large organizations okay. and vice versa, clearly. And for, for the ordinary sort of, we, we, we want to make it interesting, for the ordinary sort of layman, um, in, in all seriousness, how practical, just going back to the digital service tax as opposed to the, the uh, American proposed 15% um, on the, 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 the global, global biggest organization, let's give it a digital service tax here. For the layman, how practical is that? I mean, if, if I sort of put myself in, uh, I'm, a, I'm based in Switzerland, I buy a car via Google from a UK or a German car manufacturer. What is Google expected to pay here in terms of taxes? We know what taxes I'm going to pay in terms of purchasing this car. We know what taxes um, the, the German or the UK manufacturer is going to pay in terms of, I don't know, uh, use of um, advertising space, that sort of stuff. What is Google expected to pay here? Well, well, I think that um, what they're trying to target is Google in that example. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure that is a, a real sort of situation that is being targeted because in that instance, um, you're still going to have um, the cars moving around the world and all that sort of stuff. So a lot of what is being targeted is around the services side. But the, the, the bottom line, like you say, is that there will be a tax. The tax will be 2% of the, the, the revenue, mm -hmm. um, but it's much more complex than that, unfortunately, because you need to go through a whole series of mm -hmm. calculations to see what's your global profit, um, what's the, what percentage of that can be subject to the tax, and uh, currently looking at 20 to 30% as, 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 as what can be subject to it how much do you allocate to the particular jurisdiction? So it's not on a, on a transaction by transaction basis. I think that's a critical point. You're looking at the overall amount of business that is done in the jurisdiction. You're looking at how it is done in the jurisdiction. And, and, and it's really important to note here that the digital services tax operates in different ways in different countries. Mm -hmm. So in certain countries, it's just a question of, actually, what sort of revenue are you generating? In other countries, it is only, it, it, it's more focused on, are we looking at a marketplace, the user marketplace? Mm -hmm. And that is a distinction, which, which is why I say it's quite complex, because you need to understand the tax laws in every country. There's no, there's no common basis for it. Mm -hmm. There's no common tax rate for it either. Mm -hmm. And that is what brings the complexity.
So every 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 entity that's caught by this digital services tax, mm -hmm. which is operating on a global basis, will must need to understand what the local tax laws are to understand one what rate, what relief do I fall into the tax? Because of course there are different thresholds that are put into place in different countries. So it's all very very different, which means that you have this huge um, infrastructure that you have to put in place to try and one, understand it, and secondly, to comply. Now, clearly, I'm sure this is good news for the advisors like myself to try and support these big tech companies with it, but it is an administrative, it's administratively burdensome. Mm -hmm. Well, let, let, let's stick with the different countries that you've, you've mentioned. Um, let, let, let's look at a couple. Um, let's look at how um, they're dealing with this situation. The first one, uh, you mentioned them earlier, it's an economic and trading powerhouse, that's China. What is China's stance on this? Well, um, China, China is among countries who have signed up, the 139 countries who have signed up to the new tax, taxing regime. Mm -hmm. And therefore they're supportive of it since they've signed up to it. <laughs> um, so I think that's a positive thing that they have signed up to it. Um, but the fact that, that these countries have signed up to it doesn't mean it will eventually mm. hit the legislative books. But yes, you know, if you have big countries like China, the US, UK, et cetera, signing up, you then start to build consensus, certainly amongst the biggest economies, which means that it will happen. Um, and I, I was going to ask about the, the Americans, but you, you've kind of talked about them uh, a bit. Um, you know, I. I the whole thing it has serious political ramifications and, um, and brewing trade wars it's because it's sort of led by um, Europe, it's led by France. And are the Americans justified in their concerns? You've kind of tattled that question, but because it, it's on the list, I'm sort of adding, asking it. Um, I think that, I think the <laughs> question about what is justified is quite a hard one, isn't it? So. Yeah, and the reason why I say it's hard is because everybody's everybody looks at things with a different lens. Ultimately, um, Americans want to make more money in America. If Americans can get all the taxes, can grow their economy, can build their economy, that's good for America. Um, obviously, that's not the view that we would take in other jurisdictions. Um, but actually, it is also good for America to reach some form of compromise to ensure that we don't have these horrible trade wars, which could escalate and could be more damaging than agreeing, uh, than agreeing what many would say is a fair basis of allocating profits and a fair basis of taxing these companies. Because that's the whole thing about it. You know, the whole bit about transfer pricing it's all about saying, yes, we operate on a global basis. We want to make sure that we are in a position where we allocate profits to be taxed on a fair basis. Because if you don't do that, then you get trade wars. Yes. You get okay. conflicts. So, so, so yes. Just like so, you're, you're struggling to justify and define justified, define fair. 
Yes, yes, exactly. Because it depends on what lens you look at it from. You know, if I was sitting down in um, America and thinking, wow, yes, I expect my government to absolutely fight for this. We don't want to lose $100 billion. <laughs> you know, that's a lot of money. That could, that, could build, that could build a number of hospitals. That could create huge jobs. That is a massive amount of money. So, you know, we are all selfish at the end of the day. Yeah, so so why would I as a taxpayer? At the same time, you've got to look at the dip diplomatic angle of the whole thing, surely, not just business and profit, they have to look at that. 100%, absolutely agreed. So it, that is why there has to be a balance, and that is why um, you have to get some form of compromise to realise that if you are going to do international trade in the mm -hmm. same way that we in, in the UK um, want to do international trade with different jurisdictions, we're going to have to give and take. You can look at Brexit, you can look at the recent AUKUS, and you can see there is always going to be a bit of give and take because our interests will not always coincide. But we're better off as an international business community mm -hmm. if we can agree a basis to work on, which is, in quote, fair to all. And what is fair to all is normally what all the parties can agree to, because that way, business thrives, which is what we all want. Because you must be fair to some of the less developed countries also, because why shouldn't they be getting a slice of the tax, given you are in their country, you're mm -hmm. targeting their individuals, mm -hmm. you're generating value from the individuals, but just because the tax system was devised at a time when they were not digital self Services and therefore didn't anticipate the issues around having a physical establishment or location of infrastructure be less important. Therefore, the tax regime has not caught up with what you would have as a new tax system mm -hmm. in the current day. Let's move um, from that and, and talk about um, COVID. It's, it's affected everything in its path, and I suspect that it includes the digital service tax. So how has COVID opened up the dialogue on this topic and perhaps moved it forward, if at all? Um, I, I don't actually see COVID having had an impact in this area. Um, Wouldn't you say no, COVID I, has expedited um, digitalization of things and therefore, I don't know, perhaps they, we, need, we need to still look further into the digital service tax as a result? That, that's an interesting perspective. So, so yes, it's fair to say that as a result of COVID, there's much more digitalization. Um, we are in a situation where we don't have to go to offices. We are in a situation where we operate by Zoom, like we are doing right yes. now. Um, you have a situation where we have all gotten ourselves so much more comfortable with not flying around the world to have face-to-face -face meetings. And that means much more digitalization. Now, I think that, that that process has simply been accelerated as opposed to having been started by COVID. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the Googles and Facebooks, et cetera, of this world, that issue had been around pre-COVID. And mm -hmm there have been discussions in this area for a very long time. But I do accept that the, the taxation 
issues uh, become more um, pertinent mm -hmm. in the context of a lot of businesses like the Zooms of this world, the Netflixes of this world, mm -hmm. for instance, you know, Netflix is booming because of, because of the lockdown. So we've all pivoted away to sit at home, watch the telly or watch Netflix in particular. Um, so, so, but I don't think, I wouldn't say that, that that COVID has caused it. I would say that um, it brings it more into focus. It, it does, but also, for example, in the retail business, um, an organization like IKEA, who 15 years ago had very minimal digital online service. Now, um, partly as a result of COVID, more than 50%, and it's still growing, 50% 50, 50 year on year of their business is done online. And mm. so I'm assuming that you know google and facebook while they're standing around you know waiting to be taxed as a special digital service tax they will look at organizations who, whose business has turned from perhaps 20 percent digitalized to i don't know 80 percent digitalized in, in the way they operate and perhaps that the service tax should be introduced in that space as well or should be modified to include i think that's basically what the americans were saying just have the top global organizations have a special tax rather than a digital service tax that's tailored and, uh, and unique to these just digital based companies uh, i think just, that's right sorry go ahead yes go on go on no i was just gonna say i think that's that's right all um well, most of the retail sector has gone online. Most businesses now yes. sell most of their products online because in the past 12, 18 months, most people haven't been able to go into the shops. So there's clearly that massive shift. Um, I think that the reality is that there will be many companies that will not be caught by the new taxes um, because only the very largest in the world that will be caught by this. Mm -hmm. Now, that does not mean that um, this will not be expanded in due course once it is found to work. Clearly, you start off with this, you mm -hmm. see how it works, you see what the teething problems are, you, there'll be learning points for that, you tweak it before you expand it to cover a broader base of companies. But um, it's starting off with a very small number in relative terms of, 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 of companies that will be caught by it. But I do expect that in the fullness of time, it will be rolled out to uh, a, a, a wider base. Yeah, I just think Google and Facebook don't want to be the first ones. Yes, indeed. indeed. The, the of this tax. By the way, one of the interest, yeah, one of the interesting things, of course, is that there are some exceptions. There's some carve outs to it. Mm -hmm. So when you say the largest companies in the world, you automatically think about the large financial institutions. Mm -hmm. but there's a carve out for for financial institutions. Um, and and I guess the, the the Googles of this world may say, well, why is there a carve out for these guys? You know, what makes them special, or what makes them not special enough to get into this privileged group of people to pay these taxes? Now, the the thinking behind it is that um, most financial institutions, most, would be subject to local regulation. Mm -hmm. Being subject to local regulation means that in practice, you don't have this scenario where 
you are targeting another jurisdiction from afar because you have to have the infrastructure, the people to be regulated and reviewed, etc. And that is the thinking behind carving financial institutions out. But there are a number of other carve outs, but I think the financial mm -hmm. services sector is, is the big one. Mm -hmm. I think that would be stage two of the rollout, would be yes, indeed. <laughs> implementation. <laughs> So don't worry about it, Google and Facebook. They will be targeted at some point. Okay, um, let's look forward now. Um, so, so where are we today with this in two, um, 2021? What is the consensus going forward? Is there one? Um, I, think, I think there's a broad agreement going forward because if you've got 130 countries agreeing to the broad principles, yes. that's a positive thing, very, very positive thing. Um, you, you know what but is coming, clearly. Um, now, the question really is, even if you get agreement in principle, how do we make sure that in practice, mm. all of these countries are able to get the law passed in their jurisdictions? Because you can have nice technical discussions at a very strategic level at the OECD. And the people who are having those discussions are very bright, technical, talented people. But the people who have to implement the law are the politicians yes. on the ground in the countries. And the politicians will have a different cell to do. And the cell to their people yeah. may not always be as easy. So let's use the Americas as an example. Um, and given what we've got currently, um, you can imagine Biden coming yeah. to Congress with this. And you can imagine the reaction of the Republicans to it. And you can imagine how hard it might be to get it through. Yes. Um, and and that, that doesn't mean that it hasn't been agreed. <laughs> You know, so, so the first step to get it agreed, international consensus, etc. But then you need to come to Congress and then start the real politics. And the, and the, and the problem with that, and, yeah, I was just sorry to interrupt you. And, and of course, that real politics, I've given the American example, which everybody will fully appreciate. But of course, you still have to go to all the other jurisdictions, yes. and some may be easier than others. But it's not that easy to get consensus not. in the different countries, especially when you've got um, governments that are, that don't have a majority government, yes. you know, yes. don't have a majority in parliament. You can imagine how hard that could be. And, and, and particularly politicians have a sort of a, a temporary seat, if that makes any sense, that they're there for a period. Yes. <laughs> and they not to spend that period of being throwing in unfavorable um, exactly absolutely <laughs> <laughs> so for the uk is there a brexit specific effect with the digital service tax i don't see a brexit effect or impact but clearly europe has to decide whether it wants to be part of this or not mm -hmm. different member states in europe have taken different stances in relation to digital services taxes some have been more strident than others. Um, but it's not a Brexit thing. It's a, 
you know, it's it's looking at your country and thinking, what do you want to do? But clearly, Europe is engaged in this process, and Europe would like to see this issue sorted out and addressed. And they appreciate the need for pillar one and pillar two, like I said. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, my final bit of the question um, for, for this episode is. What do you think the end result will be? This is you to probably hypothesize. Who will be the winner here? Well, apart, apart from um, professional services individuals like yourselves, but who would be the winner here? <laughs> um, do you know what? I think the big winner would be international trade. If we are successful in getting consensus, we are successful in getting it in the um, legislation in the different countries. It would just make international trade much easier. It would bring a fairer system by reallocating a lot of the taxes to some of the other jurisdictions that don't have these massive tech companies. Mm-hmm. Um, but these massive tech companies are benefiting from revenues in these countries, which must be a good thing because that means we are then in a position where they have more revenue, you can invest more in development, probably given you talks about COVID and vaccines. Yes. Um, so, so I think there's a positive side to that because tax is not just about the money, it's what you get to use the money for, it's the benefit, the broader benefit to society and community. You raise the taxes, you support your communities, you build communities, you build trade. So I think, um, international trade is the main beneficiary, but I think that you also have a sort of reallocation of some of the taxes to different jurisdictions. And the, the hope must be that those jurisdictions would be able to now use that for the betterment of their people. And hopefully we get more specialization, more advance, and of course, more international trade. We hope, we hope, because I can actually see the benefit that would be for the developing countries, a, a very positive benefit in, in, in developing them. Richard Iferenta, it's been a pleasure and you've made a tax conversation very interesting indeed. Many thanks for your time. And- <laughs> <laughs> it was my pleasure. Really good discussion. Um, looking forward to hearing it. Thanks a lot for having me on the show. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.